0: What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. The Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, trying to be enthusiastic after watching Thursday Night Football. And I'm joined, as always, with at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. Uh,
1: Hi, Elliot. I I was really dragging through the Thursday Night Football game, which we'll get to in a second, but like always, the NFL knows how to, to get me riled up, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, so big news
0: came down the pike uh, tonight. Uh, Christian McCaffrey traded from the uh, Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it's a it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal for the Panthers because he's arguably their best player. He's certainly their most notable player, although his availability the last few years, is it's been a problem. He hasn't been on the field Um for the 49ers, this is a team that lost their lead back and Elijah Mitchell, who was a really good player last year. And uh, they lost him early this year. I'm trying to, did they lose him week one yep. against Chicago? And the 49ers, as we all know, a big time uh, running team, maybe the most run heavy team or run based scheme team. And so uh, Christian McCaffrey can certainly help them a lot and help out Jimmy Garoppolo. So, what, what are your initial thoughts?
1: On the trade, just right off the cuff. Uh, What a trade for Carolina. Like, they obviously, they needed to make a move, right? When you're a tanking team, which they officially are now, you can't afford to keep a running back at that salary on your roster. Trade him while you can to replenish your draft picks, which they didn't have a lot of anyways because of some other trades that they made involving Baker Mayfield and, and Matt Corral. This is a perfect way to ensure that you're going to be bad enough this year to get a top three pick and to build up your draft capital in the mid-rounds. Uh, what a home run by the Panthers.
0: How about for the 49ers? Uh, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year. They lost Trey Lance, who uh, we didn't know what kind of quarterback Trey Lance was going to be, but the, the thought was that he was going to be helpful to the running game because you have to defend Trey Lance running the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo is actually a nifty little runner himself. When he decides to do it, uh, it's not quite the same. Uh, it's really not the same. But uh, th- like I said, kind of introing the trade, Marcus, this is a very run heavy team. We know this is something that Kyle Shanahan likes to do. Obviously, the 49ers have been very creative with it. You saw what Debo Samuel was maybe the biggest star in fantasy last year because of his ability to run the ball, and San Francisco is kind of scheming the run game open. We always talk about that with the
1: passing game. So how do you see Christian McCaffrey fitting in there? All right, let's talk about the fit before we talk about what they had to give up because that's really what you're asking me. I think he's a perfect fit, right? I mean, he's got some familiarity with the that scheme anyways. Uh, was it John Lynch? It, I'm trying to think about all the connections because he was at Stanford, Um uh, Kyle Shanahan scouted him there John Lynch was fell in love with him but anyways um it's perfect right now I, I wonder about how many like touches they're going to give him as a receiver like because I don't know if that's really what Kyle Shanahan does but in terms of like that zone blocking scheme it's perfect yeah I I, I love this trade a lot for the
0: 49ers I like that they're They're doing what the Rams did last year, right? They're they're going for it. And you might say, well, you know, the Rams were really good, and the 49ers have been middling this year. Everyone's been middling this year. So, you know, how many really great teams are there in the NFC? I I would argue the Eagles are a very good team, and I think the Cowboys are a very good team. we got to see how Dak plays when he gets back. Um, We're assuming they're going to be good. Um, but who outside of them is truly good? Maybe maybe the Vikings? Maybe. There's no reason the 49ers can't compete in the NFC and emerge uh, the sure. NFC
1: champion. I, I don't disagree, but I was already thinking that before the Christian McCaffrey trade happened. I, I just – this really comes down to what, how much do you value a 26-year-old running back – that can't stay healthy. We should also mention the terms of the trade. Have you seen the, what, what the 49ers gave up? I have not. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with the salary. So he's only due like 1 million this year from the 49ers. So nothing, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's 12 million in 2023, 2024 and 2025. The picks they gave up would be a second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder all next year. Um, I believe before compensatory picks, the 49ers have one fifth round pick left for the 2023 draft. Interesting. Because they uh, gave up the you, first rounder for Trey Lance.
0: Right. So how do you feel about that compensation? Do you do you feel like it's good for the 49ers? Do you feel
1: like, I, ah, I wouldn't give up that much for a running back? I wouldn't give up that much for a running back? No. I mean, especially not <laughs> – Not McCaffrey, who has been so brittle over the last couple of years. You're burning a lot of assets on the running back position. And let's not forget, they spent a third-round pick this year on uh, Ty Davis Price. They spent a third-round pick in 2021 on uh, Trey Sermon. This is a team that spent more draft capital on running backs than any other team in the league. And yet their leading rusher is an undrafted free agent in Jeff Wilson. It feels like a lot. And I know it's going to help their offense, but to basically give up your entire draft for a year when you don't even have your starting quarterback seems not wise to me. Yeah. So uh, interesting
0: note. I I mean, a lot of people know this already, but if you don't Christian McCaffrey is the son of former wide receiver, uh, Ed McCaffrey, Ed McCaffrey had three 1000 yard years with the Broncos. He was part of the Broncos back-to-back Super Bowl champs in 97 and 98. And uh, he also had a 900 yard year, the uh, Broncos really good career caught 565 balls but he actually spent one year with the 49ers as their fourth wide receiver which was really weird right in the middle of his career and then when he left the 49ers Mike Shanahan who had been there uh, with San Francisco as an offensive coordinator brought him to Denver um, and he became kind of a star maybe not a star but a very very good player um, unfortunately Christian McCaffrey has looked like a superstar at times, but he just can't stay on the field. And that's really uh, been the issue. It's been a lot of soft tissue stuff. I remember last year, the Panthers got off to a three and zero start. People were hollering about Sam Darnold being great. You being one of them. And, uh, I just, that was actually, you never said that. That That And then Christian McCaffrey pulled his hamstring on Thursday night football. I think it was Thursday night football. Shocking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I just feel like it's been a mixed bag for him. Not to mention, you know, in this day and age, I feel like Marcus, a running back's best years are really his first couple of years. Mm -hmm. I used to think it was more like their third, fourth, fifth year. Not anymore. I think a running back's best years literally or his rookie
1: year, sophomore year. I think that year two is the year, right? Because you have a year under your belt, you kind of know yep. blocking stuff at that point. Your body—I mm-hmm. mean, these guys are typically twenty-two years old at that stage. That's that's when you get the best production out of. Them.
0: If that, if that, a lot of them are twenty-one years old. Yep. Um any concerns about what Christian McCaffrey has left? I know that feels so unusual to say because he's still so young. He's only 26 years old. Um, but, you know, he's he's been in the league for a while now. I mean, he's been in the league since 2017. You know, he was a 21-year-old rookie. Not only was he a 21-year-old rookie, he had just turned 21. Yeah. Um a lot of mileage, though. He's got 866 carries. I'm looking at his stats right now. He also has caught 390 balls. This is a guy that had back-to-back 100 catch seasons. But over the last three years, you know how many games he's played? you want to take a guess?
1: Over this the last- year, 2020, and 2021. Take a guess. Uh, like 16? Did you just look? No, I he, I he I, I know this one, actually. He played three in 2020, I think seven in 2021, and then six this year. Yes, yeah,
0: man, Shout oh, out man. To
1: fantasy football.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, you know, you, you look at his, you know, kind of per game touch basis, and he's, he's got a lot of touches, man, to catch 390 balls in only 58 career starts, 64 career games, you're talking about six and a half catches a game there, Marcus. Uh, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of hits. It's a lot of running. And um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be that same guy that was dynamic in
1: 2018. Yeah, I think for his career, he averages like 19 and a half touches a game. And we know that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So let me ask you this. Did you think Mm -hmm. the 49ers were a running back away from being a top two team or top three team in the NFC?
0: I think this puts them in that uh in that stratosphere I guess you could say <laughs> very mo- very modest stratosphere. Yeah. But Fair. I but I would also say that if they were healthy they'd be there anyway. Right. I mean the problem with the 49ers has been health. We talked about it on our uh, Picks podcast yesterday if you haven't heard that. That yes yeah, San Francisco lost by two scores to Atlanta but they were missing so many guys. I don't know I don't know how much better Philadelphia is than San Francisco. San Francisco is, you know, on all cylinders.
1: It's just so hard because the 49ers aren't healthy at all. Right. And I don't know. And the quarterback. And then on top of that, I don't know how you can project this team to stay healthy. Right. Like George Kittle. We've got a long track record now of him not being able to stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey, the same way. Jimmy Garoppolo, the same way how is this team going to be able to get through the next three and a half months and be able to stay healthy? Cause I, I just, I think on paper they are as talented as other, any team in the, in the NFL, but I just, we know that we can't trust them to stay healthy.
0: Yeah. You know, I would say uh, Wilson's played some good football for them. Um, Elijah Mitchell is the better player, but um, obviously Debo Samuel has been a wrecking ball when he's run the ball over the last couple of years. And then, you have Christian McCaffrey. What are you smirking about?
1: Uh, just an abs after a tweet. Can I read it to you? Yeah, go ahead. 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is scheduled to fly to San Francisco on Friday when he will be meet his new teammates to begin learning the new playbook. It will be challenging to have him in uniform Sunday versus the Chiefs, but McCaffrey did go to Stanford and anything is possible. Uh, great i i just don't understand the stanford part of that how does does the stanford part because he's going to be ready to go
0: because stanford people stanford's one of the hardest schools to get into in the entire country and people that go to stanford are supposed to be you know really smart and then also stanford is very close to the 49ers so maybe there's not that much of a adjustment i'm putting that in air quotes i think all that is Less than 5% of the deal, quite frankly. But uh, just going back to my point sorry, I didn't uh, with interrupt. McCaffrey, it's okay. Um, I, I think he's in the right spot in terms of if there's something to be made of his career right now, this is the place to be. And sure. it's easy to say somebody's passed it. I think people were quite frankly were saying about Saquon. And I told you back in preseason, I saw some Instagram videos of Saquon running in practice. I was like, Marcus, man, he looks good. He mm-hmm. looks real good. And then you get him with the right coach. And it's a totally different guy. And it's a totally different team. There's no reason that can't happen here.
1: Sure. It's just, I think the difference is with the giants is they didn't have to give up a whole bunch of picks no. and have to pay him a bunch of money at age 27 and beyond I Again, I just want to be clear. I think this makes the 49ers better, but I don't understand this trade at all from the 49ers long-term. I I, I don't. You know, I
0: kind of respect it because I think I could see the conversation between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan going something like this. Did you get that uh, at Banana? Because I like the V-neck cashmere. No. But I I could see the conversation basically being like, look, if we're not in this to win – then what are we doing? You know, we went to the championship last year. We should have won that game, and we could have beaten the Bengals in the in the uh, Super Bowl. And then we lost the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when we faltered down the stretch and really shouldn't have lost that game either. What are we doing here? To quote Marcus, what are we doing here? Are we playing to develop a quarterback and be you know nine and eight and competitive and sell tickets? Are we playing to win the Super Bowl? And if we get this guy. Why can't we get to the Super Bowl? And honestly, if that if I'm I'm doing a fake argument here, but if that is the argument, I couldn't argue with with it because the strongest team in the NFC right now is Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So many people believed in Philadelphia that back in like June, you told me the odds for them to win the NFC East was four to one. Mm -hmm. So if Philadelphia is the best team the NFC has to offer, I think this makes a lot of sense. Who cares who the AFC puts up there? You know? If it's anyone other than Buffalo, you the 49ers chance, right? can beat them. Yeah, and the 49ers could beat the Bills too. I
1: have I have no problem with the 49ers being aggressive. Actually, I, that's the part I like the most about it. I just don't like the position. Let me give you a different one. The, there's been rumors over the last couple of days that the Bears are going to trade Robert Quinn before the deadline. If the, if the 49ers would have made this trade for Robert Quinn instead of Christian McCaffrey – That makes so much more sense to me, right? Because now you're getting somebody that you can play with Nick Bosa, who if Bosa happens to go down for another four-game stretch, he can provide you pass rush. You can play those guys together. I would rather see them do something like that than trade for a running back.
0: Just how many people are going to trade for Robert Quinn and give the Bears anything of value because of his age? I mean, Robert Quinn's got a lot of tread on those tires, or uh, has lost a lot of tread on those tires. He's still – Played very, very good. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of his, but I mean, what year
1: is this for Robert Quinn? Uh, I I think he was drafted in 2011. Yeah, I think it's, I was going to say, I think it's year 12. So it's just, does he have any less tread on? Are you worried about his length of his career any more so than Christian McCaffrey? No, I mean, I don't want to compare the two guys. It's just such a different situation. But it, it don't even use Robert Quinn, but just use I was using that as an example. There are other spots in this team that I thought were holding them back rather than running back. Like, I think their guards have been awful. I, their defensive tackle play has been so up and down. They just lost a cornerback for the season. I, I think those are all positions they could have aggressively made moves for rather than a running back because they are going to get Elijah Mitchell back in the next couple of weeks. And Jeff Wilson has been playing well.
0: Well, it may be uh, that they think they can do a lot of matchup stuff. Well, you know, McCaffrey is pretty special out of the backfield. And, you know, hey, they've got a track record for doing this. They've made Kittle an absolute weapon at at tight end, and they've made Debo a unique weapon at wide receiver. So maybe that's what they're thinking here. I know Kittle doesn't do a lot of, um, you know, crazy stuff, but he is a weapon at the tight end position, and he blocks – so I, I I think this coaching staff has the track record. And again, um, well, first of all, we don't know that they didn't try to make an offer for we don't know anybody else. And like I said, I could see John Lynch saying, hey, if we're not in this to
1: win, then what are we doing? You know? So we should also mention that there was another team that was in the bidding war for Christian McCaffrey and surprise, surprise, the Los Angeles Rams. Another team that has a lot of holes outside of just the running back. But it I mean those two teams they've basically just told you every year hey we're going for it we we don't care about the future we're going for it see, but I wouldn't like that move as much I wouldn't like it either for, i mean the the Rams feel a lot further away in my opinion
0: well not only that but they they've proven they can't scheme the run game open they they have they don't and they also don't have the offensive line you think the 49ers offensive line hasn't played yeah. well may, may I introduce you to the Los Angeles Rams yeah um yeah i i I wouldn't like that for them. Well, I, I think,
1: go ahead. I, I was just to say, here's my worry about Kyle Shanahan. I, Shanahan, the fit with Christian McCaffrey, I think he's going to design some really awesome stuff in the backfield with Debo Samuel and Kittle and McCaffrey and Hughescheck. But there's still going to be a game this year. And you know what's going to happen in a primetime stage. It's third and six, and Kyle Hughescheck is wide open down the sideline. And Garoppolo is just going to miss him. And it just comes down I'll to the quarterback. That. Don't, don't say that. Well, I'm just saying this. Don't, don't do that to me. Is Garoppolo going to be able to elevate mm. all these players around it? Because I, if he can't, it's never going to happen. This is the most star-studded team I've ever seen around a quarterback.
0: By the way, what team has more diverse weapons than the 49ers? I mean, Kyle Juszczyk another great example. He's a fullback that can get open on the wheel route. He can make people miss. He can run over you. That's their fullback. You know, and they've got tight Brandon Ayuk, who scored two touchdowns last week. I mean, it's it's just pretty remarkable what they've got. But um, I want to segue here to something that's not near and dear to your heart. One of the reasons that Marcus is so pumped up about this trade is he was just telling me on the phone how the NFL has kind of become like the NBA, where the off season is more interesting than the actual regular season games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is case in point. The Christian McCaffrey news is so much more interesting than the Cardinals Saints game was tonight. And you can't use scoring as an excuse because the game was 42-34. to 34. That's a very high-scoring NFL game, but it was a snoozer. It was mm-hmm. so bad. And it's more interesting to talk about Christian McCaffrey changing teams than the actual game. We, we There was a primetime game on tonight between two NFC teams that are, I guess, playoff hopefuls. And Christian McCaffrey news is far more exciting. So, Marcus, why is that? <laughs> Let me lay that
1: turd into your lap. Because the games kind of suck right now, and there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL. Um, so, we get excited about the possibility of these teams looking good. And then, when the, we actually see them on the field, we're reminded about how bad they are, they really are.
0: You know, I was thinking about it after we got off the phone and I said, you know, there's so many different factors for why the NFL is kind of ha- has a lousy product right now. <clears throat> Let's start with Thursday night and, and move out. Um, so Amazon's coverage, there's nothing wrong with Amazon's coverage. The, the, what's wrong with Amazon's coverage is what's wrong with everyone's coverage. It's all the same. Who cares what the Amazon pregame or postgame show is? Because you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a host or a hostess with like three players. mm mm-hmm. And you know I'm not like an analytics guy. We talk about this all the time. Why not have an analytics guy up on that set? Make it a little bit interesting. Why not have Richard Sherman on the sideline during the game? And instead of having typical sideline reporter nonsense, why not have Richard Sherman? And when I say nonsense, not all of it's nonsense. Some of it's really important. And I know some sideline reporters that do a great job. But sometimes there's just not a lot to say. Why not have Richard Sherman out there talking about what coverage both teams are doing? almost doing a little bit of X and O talk from field level. Um, that's a way that you could dress it up a little bit. There, there's, there's so many different ideas, yet all the networks are doing the same thing. And because we now have multiple primetime games, we have three every week, and we're going to have uh, Black Friday football, there's no differentiation whatsoever. So why should you get excited for Amazon primetime football as opposed
1: to something else? I mean, the reason why I think people were excited initially is because a lot of people like Al Michaels, including myself. A lot of people really like Kirk Street because of college football. And the promise was that Amazon was going to get all these awesome games, right? They were going to get kind of the, pro- the the best of the best. And they did early on. Like, that Chargers-Chiefs game was awesome, but they've kind of progressively gotten worse over the last few weeks. And, um, yeah, I, it's it feels like... Outside of Al Michaels, it feels like just a regular Sunday afternoon game that would be smashed in the middle of all the other red zone stuff. So,
0: and to be honest, Al Michaels doesn't really sound into it. You know, he just doesn't. I mean, I, I, I can't blame him. I'm <laughs> just
1: was say, can you blame him?
0: It's just a drab broadcast.
1: Um, I, I will. All, I think they get Bucks Ravens next week. I think he'll bring his A game for that one. But
0: you know. So I was thinking about something. So at the end of the game, and then we'll go to football as a whole here. But at the end of the game, um, there was this little moment where Al Michaels talked about the, it was something that the Amazon producers had set up where, okay, at some point during the game, let's talk about the Super Bowls that have been hosted in the stadium. The Tyree catch, the Russell Wilson, Malcolm Butler interception in the end zone. Well, Al Michaels, you know, uh, uh, called that game. Mm -hmm. And so he started to say, like, Kirk Herbstreet asked him, like, well, did you just assume Marshawn was going to get the ball? And Al Michaels said, no, actually, I didn't. I thought they should have gotten Russell Wilson on the move on a rollout. And I totally agree with that. That's what I thought they should have done. And it was almost like a little interesting conversation was about to form in the fourth quarter And we don't, who cares that Andy Dalton is throwing four yard dumps to move the ball down the field. I mean, the saints backup tight end scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Your wife's happy uh, for her fantasy team. He scored again. I don't know if you knew that.
1: I didn't know that. I was watching the Lakers Clippers.
0: Yeah. Johnson got another (laughs) touchdown. Uh, Saints backup tight end had to play tonight. Great. Fantastic. uh, Yeah. So you have this nice little conversation about to start and they They dump out of it because Amazon's producer, director said, hey, because I know how these things work in the control room. Let's run a Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins uh, connections highlight reel. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a crap. Nope. With five minutes left in the fourth quarter about your little low angle melt play of DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray connecting on five balls. But wondering what Al Michaels was thinking in the booth and talking about something that we all watched and was really riveting at the time. I would have liked to know what Al would have said about that. And then I wanted to know what Kirk Herbstreet would have said about that play call. That to me would have been a lot more interesting than, but again, these networks, they want to polish everything up. They want they want to have these preset packages. I'm starting to sound like a football coach, right? But they have these packages like oh but let's let's queue up our interview that we did with Cooper Rush you know before the game right here and hey man let the game come to you organically that's what made John Madden so great is he can make a boring ass game like this
1: fun and and this just doesn't make it fun I mean I don't disagree right you see you do see all these especially like on Sunday Night Football and on ESPN's broadcast all these little 30 second graphics packages that somebody worked hard on all day. And it feels just so forced is the, I guess the best way to put it.
0: And I I don't want to compare everyone to John Madden because that's not fair, but I was watching a bears Bengals game that he did. The bears were blowing the doors off the Bengals. It was like 38 to seven. Ironically, Chris Collinsworth was in that game and that game was almost more fun to watch than the really great games that, he did with Summerall because Madden made it so much fun. He's, he's pointing out like the towels on the sideline and how one guy doesn't want to dare use the other guy's towel because there's Brown stuff. On. I mean, it's just yep. ridiculous John Madden stuff, but there's none of that. There's none of that. And some of it is maybe, you know, two announcers working together, but everything has to be so slick and, in a certain presentation polished. style yep. and polished. Yep. And you have all these pre, Man, some are all mad, and they never ran interview packages that they
1: did from before the game or all right, I, I, this kind I got, of stuff. Do you think part of this is because we're in social media now, and there's so many – I mean, these broadcasters are afraid of saying the wrong thing and uh, getting called out on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, where it wasn't really a big deal in the 80s and 90s for Madden?
0: I think that's part of it, but I also think it's a new entity – trying to show its value and show it belongs. And every producer feels like they have to reinvent the wheel. And there's a great line in sports that I heard when I first got to NFL network. And I heard it when I was at Fox sports, which is there were only three real great ideas ever in sports broadcasting. Everything else has just been copying that stuff. And again, it's nothing against Amazon, but Oh my gosh, of course I want to watch the Amazon post game. It's a host with three former players. And they're all pretty much going to say the same thing. Like, I I mean, give me something different. And you know me, I'm not an analytics guy, but I'd rather hear someone give a different, truly different perspective. I'd rather have a scouts take up there. I'd rather Mm. have a former GM up there. Put Sherm on the sideline. Talk to us about what coverages one of the team is running and how they're disguising it and how he can tell from the sideline view. Wouldn't that be interesting?
1: I guess, but it would take away from their game. I mean, Chris Olave, just a monster game. You know, we, we can't <laughs> can't go away from that.
0: Okay. If we widen out here, football as a whole, give me your number one reason you think football is a little bit
1: cruddy this year. Quarterbacks. I, I, I think the quarterbacks have been significantly worse than what we saw from last year. And you can just go across the board. I think the only quarterback that's playing significantly better than what we saw last year is Josh Allen. Like, I just think he's, He's been awesome this year. Jalen Hurts would be another one. But Patrick Mahomes having a little bit of a down year. Aaron Rodgers struggling. Tom Brady struggling. Dak Prescott out for a while. Lamar Jackson with a bunch of turnovers late in these games. Like You just don't have a ton of elite quarterbacks playing at an elite level, and that makes for really sloppy, sloppy games. And it makes for inconsistent teams where – a Tom Brady can lose to the Steelers it, it, despite being a 10-point underdog. Aaron Rodgers can lose to the Jets and the Giants in back-to-back weeks. Like, we're just not used to that happening.
0: Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. If we, if you and I just did a rough pass through the NFL right now and tried to name every quarterback who's been both healthy and playing as good or better than they ever had, it's really hard. It's really I mean, hard. the NFC East – You've got one, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Daniel yeah. Jones is running the ball pretty well. When you just he just can't throw it right wants now. Wants to, but yeah. Uh, in the North, I mean, Cousins isn't playing over his. Their, their offense was very stunted last week. Rodgers, no. Jared Goff is yes. playing better, but, but but he was a Super Bowl quarterback before that.
1: That and let's be honest, they had a they had a Week Six bye, so we didn't see them. In Week Five, they put up zero points, so and they were awful. We, yeah. right. So we so haven't. It was, they haven't been good. We still in two got weeks. one. Yeah.
0: We still got one. Okay. Atlanta, Mariota's not even throwing the ball. What do you nope. have? 16 attempts this week. Tom Brady's playing way below his level. Let's not even talk about Carolina. Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes tonight. He had three interceptions overall. Mm-hmm. So nobody from the South. Let's go to the West. I would not say Kyler Murray is playing nope. up to the, the level that he has in the past. Jimmy Garoppolo certainly isn't. Matt Stafford certainly isn't. Leads the NFL in uh, interceptions. Yep. You know what? But I will say Geno Smith is. So that gives us two.
1: Yes. And the thing we just didn't see Gino a ton last year. We did see him a little bit, but not a ton. But I, I'll give
0: Geno Smith credit. He's played pretty yes. well. He's played pretty good football. Has and everyone, good for, the Seahawks team yes. have been
1: exciting. Like they're the one team it's, in this so far this season where like every game outside of the 49ers one has been entertaining. So out of 16 teams in the NFC
0: we came up with two. Yep. That's that's abysmal. If we go to the AFC, it's going to be a little better. But if you start with the AFC East, you got Josh Allen. He's he's playing great football, but Miami, no, uh for a lot of different factors. Yeah, the Jets, no, yeah, no. no. And uh the Patriots, no. In the uh, AFC North, I would say Lamar Jackson certainly is in no. the Giants game. He had a rough game. Uh Pittsburgh, no. No. Um Cincinnati I would say no Joe Burrow played better last year and then Cleveland's playing Jacoby Brissett, who's made some nice plays and made some bad ones so we're still stuck with Josh Allen we go the AFC South Trevor Lawrence hasn't played any better that that I can see I would say slightly better but but not notable
1: not not significantly better
0: sure that's fine Matt Ryan definitely no Ryan Tannehill no um Davis Mills, we've talked about on this podcast, been a little bit of a disappointment. We were hoping for a lot more. I, I think he's gonna do that this week. I'm yeah. I'm that's wishful thinking. Okay, AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, fine. Well, even Stephen Patrick Mahomes is great football. So we'll take that. Yes. Justin Herbert, down. No. Derek Carr, down. Russell Wilson, way down. So we've got what? Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen. And that was it, right? Mm-hmm. So two quarterbacks in the NFC and two quarterbacks in the AFC are playing as good or better than they ever had and stayed healthy. That's terrible. Yep. That's terrible. So it's a strong point for you. Definitely. And they don't make them on Thursday night.
1: I will say we typically the first month and a half of the season is pretty rough anyways. Um, but I won't be surprised because of the quarterbacks. If we get into the rest of October and November, we still see some pretty crappy football. So that'll go to my next point And then I have one after that about this.
0: My next point is uh, basically September was the preseason. Mm-hmm. We don't play starters in the preseason. Or the NFL teams don't. Uh, They don't practice as much in training camp. And where this really matters is when a team like Cincinnati's got four new starters on the offensive line, these guys need to play competitive football against ones, you know, and ones aren't playing in preseason. So they're having their learning curve over the first five weeks of the season. And I think that's been a big reason Cincinnati's offense has been up and it's been down. It's been up and it's been down. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is really important, and I think it's really hurting the quality of pro football, uh, period, and it's not something that we've talked about a lot, at least not on the podcast, but coaches have become so risk-averse that they are literally playing not to lose. It's why you see people say, gosh, why did Joe Namath have so many interceptions? Because no one throws interceptions now, hardly. I mean, interception numbers are so low. A high interception year, this year like now, would be – what What do you think is a high interception year for a quarterback? 14 picks? Yeah,
1: 14 to 16, yep.
0: Used to be if you had 14 interceptions, you were probably going to lead the NFL in passer rating. Yeah, Because quarterbacks threw the ball down the field. No one throws the ball down the field. Uh, you pointed out on the phone – Defensive coordinators play their cor- their corners off. It's almost like they're saying, we'll let you dink and dunk down the field. If we give up a field goal, fine, we'll end up winning the game. We're not actually trying to force three and outs. We're not trying to play aggressive
1: football. I mean, you're seeing teams basically play cover two and cover three all the time. And hey, we're going to dare you to, to put together 13 play drives. And the whole goal is, let's just stop you when you get to the red zone. Because if you take up eight minutes and kick a field goal, that's a win for us. Right. And we've seen a ton of kickers miss short field goals this year. Uh, and they know that giving up, you know, long drives that chew up the clock and only giving up three points is at worst gonna keep you in the game. It might not win you the game, but you're gonna be close going into the fourth quarter and then anything can happen. So Yeah. It's it's just boring football right now, is the best way. It, it's it. it's tremendously
0: boring. And I know that you know, like if you take football in the sixties, it was called three yards in a cloud of dust. But I can tell you, Bart Starr had a pretty good reputation for throwing deep on third and one when you're expecting the Packers to run. And they had the vaunted running game. Look at the Dez caught it game. Mm -hmm. That's a fourth and a yard and a half. And they go vertical to Dez. They they go up top. They don't take the little slant to Cole Beasley. That's more exciting football. Now, if you say, yeah, but it didn't win, it should have. I, the risk-averse thing, though, kind of drives me nuts because, I, I mean, I, the whole second half of that game, I think I saw one throw over 25 air yards. It was Andy Dalton at the end of the game, and he missed his receiver by 10 yards because they don't throw deep almost at all anymore. And so um, was it Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati? Had two guys wide open on vertical throws and missed, him by missed them by 10 yards?
1: Just missed them, yeah. yep.
0: And so um, you have that part of being risk-averse because er coaches do know basic analytics and they know that losing the turnover battle is the number one determinant of losing a game. My second thing, Marcus, I really love to know what you think about this. I think coaches have become so risk-averse with their guys getting hurt. And I'm not talking about majorly hurt, like the concussion thing. Uh, That was a debacle with Miami. But I'm talking about resting players and uh, the chances that they're willing to take because we have 17 games. We have almost every team plays in like a Thursday night game or on short weeks. We have how many London games? Three? We got Um, another one next week. Yeah. Right, right. And the way the game is set up now, not just because of the salary cap, but the way teams are handling the salary cap now, They want to pay a couple of big stars, big money, and everybody else is on the cheap. And that means a lot of first and second year players that are playing special teams for you. Coaches are terrified of having to pay, you know, play their fourth round draft pick from 2021 in lieu of DeAndre Hopkins or their starting corner, whoever it is. And so you just don't have teams taking a heck of a lot of chances.
1: We should also mention that I think the NFL coaches are learning from the NBA coaches on how to like load management. Some of these players, like you're seeing across the NFL, practice time is already short. Like, I think it's four hours of practice a week they're all allowed to have. And a lot of star players just aren't practicing on Wednesdays. Like, Tom Brady hasn't practiced on Wednesdays for years, Aaron Rodgers doesn't practice on Wednesdays. And now it went from star quarterbacks to Okay, Jalen Waddell, you're not practicing on Wednesday. You're a second-year receiver, but it, it's we don't want you to to put any extra miles on your body and practice on a Wednesday. So Wednesday, you're not going to practice. Thursday, you're going to be limited. On our Friday walkthrough, you'll be there, and then we'll have you ready for the game on Sunday. And that just leads to a lot of sloppy football uh, You know when the games actually do matter.
0: It'd be like a band that's only been together for two or three years because teams don't stay together. Um, not practicing, and then when they do practice, the bassist isn't there or yep. the drummer isn't there. You have to be able to do that. I'm happy for the players that they are being treated like men and they are uh, at least being thought of on some account here. On the other hand, I don't think the data shows that players are getting less hurt. I think players are actually missing more time than they did in the 80s and 90s. There were tons of guys that played, like London Fletcher, 16 games every year. Mark it down. And it just seems that that's more and more rare. And I wonder if we've gotten to the point where these players are not only not playing well together, uh, but aren't conditioned to take the pounding when they do play.
1: I mean, I think that's, that's fair to wonder.
0: The last thing I'll say about this, and I know I'm kind of going off here, but uh,
1: you know, we promised I, the people a short podcast. By the way, we're already at forty minutes. <laughs>
0: that's that's Marcus's way of telling me to shut up. No,
1: go ahead, finish your point. You're good. <laughs> now, finish now I forgot it
0: already. You see, you you. that's no, sorry. Right. It, it must have not have been that good of a point then. That's that that's nice. That, that's that's nice. Uh, what I, I I did just remember what I was going to say is that if. When I worked at the NFL, there was always this pressure to say, oh, the the league is so great every year because all the games are so close. You never know who's going to win on Sunday. Is that really great? Like if we have no differentiation of quality because teams don't practice together enough, they don't play together enough, and we have only like three or four good teams – and one week, the Cardinals are awful, and they score nine points against one of the worst defenses in the league. Would you agree Seattle's defense is yes. one of the worst? Yeah. They score nine points. Then they go play New Orleans, who has really good defensive personnel, and they score 42. So
1: you, want, you, don't you, want, you should have some expectation of what a team is going to look like in a game. Now, they're going to play some games where they look better and other games where they look worse, but it shouldn't be – so drastic. Like we saw it with the lions a couple weeks ago right number one scoring offense in the nfl they put up 40 was it five points against seattle and then the next week they get shut out in new england like that mm-hmm. shouldn't happen
0: yeah if you look at your favorite shows like what are your favorite shows game of thrones sopranos your favorite shows of all time
1: yeah home improvement
0: but these shows were pretty consistent yeah. week after week yeah The cast worked together. You knew what to expect. And occasionally there's a clunker, you know, here and there. Game of Thrones case, maybe the whole last season. But, you know, the point is, is that if there's no differentiation of quality between a good show and a bad show, then all TV just kind of becomes the same. And it's not interesting. I 100% agree. And so I think that's what we're dealing with in the NFL right now. We have no differentiation in the quality of the games or the broadcasts because they're all doing the same thing. And with the coaches playing so much not to lose, it just has not been exciting. There's not enough throws down the field. There's not enough great quarterback play, as you pointed out. And so we got another stinker on Thursday night, and which makes the Christian McCaffrey news a breath of fresh air. Yeah, we're because
1: not because that's talk to, interesting. We don't you have know. to talk about that Saints Cardinal game at all.
0: Well, we've already been on on for 40 minutes. But um okay, of all that word salad I just gave you. What what out of all that resonates with you the most in terms of, yeah, I can see that a little bit or I feel that way?
1: So I used to disagree with you in that I, I I love the parody, right? I love the fact that any team could win a game on Sunday and any team could win the Super Bowl. Um I think as I've gotten older, I like the I don't want to say super teams, because that implies something different. But I like having the seven or eight elite teams that you know are really good. And that way you you get excited for games, right? Like we were legitimately excited for chiefs bills because we know what we're getting from the quarterbacks. We kind of know what we're getting from the coaches. If we know what the styles are going to look like, right? That's why we yes. were so excited for that game. And we had a feeling it would be really, really close. I don't know how you can expect that from almost any other game this season, right? Because you just, these teams are so wildly different week to week right it's all week to week, week to week. I mean
0: who wants that I mean you, you know you don't you don't want your girlfriend or your boyfriend to be different week to week you know you you want some everyone has a bad week but also I think something you and I both love a lot is a real true upset and yep. if you have like in the NBA where Golden State is really good for you know several years in a row and then the seventh seed, is able to knock them out, it feels like an upset. Yes. Because you know Golden State's a quality team, and and so it makes the upset. There are no upsets right now. Every team is garbage, and every team is good at different points. And it's just it makes it um, uh, difficult, I would say. But I think your quarterback's point is really important because I think football was a lot better in 2021. And Mm -hmm. to me, the biggest difference between 2021 and 2022 is the quarterback
1: play. Uh, I don't disagree. Do you want to pull a football card? Yeah, it'll make me feel better. All right, this is from my, <laughs> now that I got
0: that off my chest.
1: This is from my 1975 pack. When did of I cards. become curmudgeonly, Carl? Cowley. I know. I need it's to. A... I need to get it.
0: 1975 together.
1: tops. Are you ready? Oh boy. Okay. All yeah. Right. Don't tell me who the name is. Let me just. See I don't the know. Picture. I'm just drawing a card. All right. This ought to be fun. Oh yes. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. Bill Bradley. Um, okay. I think Bill Bradley, if you look at the back of the card, can you read the the numbers without your reading glasses? Uh, I think he led the NFL on in interceptions two years in a row. Like he did.
1: 71, 72, something like that. <laughs> he did. 1971, he had eleven interceptions. Nineteen seventy-two, he had nine.
0: Yeah, that's a rare that's a rare feat. Do you know? Here's some Marcus trivia. Ooh, this is good. This is real good. I'm gonna give you a hint. I'm gonna give you two hints on this. Two guys have led the NFL in interceptions three times. One was one of your dad's favorite players of all time. That would be Everson Walls. Correct. The other was not a corner. He was a safety. And I've heard you say he's one of the best players you've ever seen. Ed Reed. That is correct. Maybe I made those two easy hints. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Bradley used to do a little modeling, too. You can tell by that his uh, Steppenwolf haircut. and the, uh... I mean,
1: just, first of all, an incredible mustache that he has. Yeah. I don't know if you can see that here.
0: Oh, that's a push broom. By the way, Steppenwolf was a late 60s, early 70s band. And
1: you know what's really funny? They so seem more to I, be wild. I drew the cards, and these are the first three cards that came up. Are you ready? Yeah. Was... <laughs> oh, Bill Bradley. <laughs> three of them. All, they were all, like, stuck together. Hey, so...
0: What's Bill Bradley's career interception record up to that point? How many years had he played?
1: He had played six years and he had 27 interceptions,
0: but he only
1: only had one the first two years of his career. Yeah. He didn't play that much early on, but still
0: even factoring those in, um, that's four and a half interceptions a year. Okay. How many guys in the NFL now average four and a half picks a year? Oh, None. None. How many guys in the NFL have even
1: a prayer of having two double-digit interception years? I mean, one guy probably in the league right now. Well, two. i I'll take that back. Three. I think two. it's Trayvon Dix, who has 11 last year, right? Yeah. I think Xavier Howard's gotten to nine or more twice already. Right? Okay. And then J.C. Jackson, I think, has done it once already.
0: Yeah, so they have a they have a chance, but back-to-back years, not happening. No, those are the, um, ol-
1: those are the only three guys though, that I could think of that are like legitimate threats to get double-digit interception seasons. Right, and how many secondary guys
0: do we have who haven't
1: picked off a ball in two years? You know, like oh, literally hundreds. zero. And, and, yes. st- and starters, probably 75, 80. Yeah. How are you supposed to pick off
0: a bubble screen? How are you supposed to – I mean, really, I mean, honestly, like, you know, so many passes – It was just, you know, five yard out uh, bonanza tonight on Thursday Night Football. So enjoy. But a couple of good games. If you didn't watch the game, uh, Benjamin for the Cardinals had a really nice game. Marcus, I know you didn't want Marcus didn't watch the end of the game. (laughs) I don't blame you.
1: I mean, I saw I saw I was watching Lakers Clippers, which is just finishing up right now. So I'm putting the TV on. Oh, boy. Oh,
0: boy. Well, anyway, I'm going to give you the the final thought. That's our uh, take on the McCaffrey trade and uh, another snoozer for Thursday Night Football. Um, I just thought, by the way, wouldn't it be cool if you had Ryan Fitzpatrick after the game break down one of Andy Dalton's interceptions like X and O?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And then one of his his own to show that he has a sense of humor about it. Like, you know, then they could pull up one of his and he could point out that I made this mistake 50 times in my career. Anything
1: fun. So, final thought. The Saints yeah. gave up the equivalent of two first round picks and a second round pick to draft Chris Olave, who's a really good player. I think he had over 100 yards tonight by looking at the box score and not watching the game. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a really good player. And I typically admire teams going all in and being aggressive, but going all in and being aggressive when you don't have a franchise quarterback seems pretty dumb. It seems like the Saints are destined to end up giving up like a top three pick for Chris Olave, which will just so happen. Go to the Eagles. So Good hey, job, Saints. maybe. Yeah, maybe a
0: topic for next week, why the Saints don't play Taysom Hill and give teams matchup problems and make them think about what they're going to have to do on defense. Yep. Yeah, by the way, uh, Charlie Trippi uh, passed away yesterday. He was the NFL's oldest Hall of Famer. He was 100 years old. He was going to be 101 pretty soon. Uh, Charlie Trippi played for the Cardinals. He was on their 47 uh, title team. That's the last Cardinals team to win a championship. He was also on the 48 team that lost. He was a star. Uh, he was a good punt returner. He could throw. He was a running back. I have the 1947 NFL championship game program autographed by Charlie Trippi, and I love it. Always wanted to meet the guy and knew he was the oldest Hall of Famer. I talked to Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals owner, uh, a few years ago, and I asked him if they had brought Charlie out to any games or honored him, and they said that, that they had. And uh, anyway, he passed away uh, yesterday. They did mention it on the broadcast tonight. Just wanted to mention that uh real quick. So, what are you what are you looking up at?
1: I'm watching the end of Lakers Clippers.
0: <laughs> well, what's the score? I mean, please. Uh, it's 101 to
1: 97 with 6 seconds left. So, it's basically right. over. Lakers lost, so. But hey, he way some... more entertaining than than Saints Cardinals.
0: <laughs> Great takes like that is what you can find on Locked on Cowboys or Landon McCool. <laughs> Make sure you Maybe get Marcus a follow. Soon. Locked on Lakers. Uh, Marcus covers the Raiders for USA Today. He can be found at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening to our rannings and ravings and yawnings uh, about Thursday night football. And we will catch you guys for Power Rankings. Enjoy your weekend of football. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Take care, everybody.